Hello, everybody. I'm Kevin Witham. Welcome to Season 4 of the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. Jesus prayed for unity so that the world may believe. Our mission is to connect and gather with Christians outside one's family of churches because we believe unity starts by building relationships. We say unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and let's get started with another conversation. Well, thank you for listening in to another conversation. I, as a preacher, am excited about our guest today and and just enthused and ready to get started in a moment. But before I do that, I want to welcome my co-host, Tina Bruner. Tina, this is our first time together in 2024. I know this isn't going to drop until March, but uh, we're, we're still in the new year. Good to be with you. How's your new year? Is it off to a good start? Uh, it is off to a good start. It's off to a busy start, I think, for anybody in ministry. A lot is happening in people's lives, in the world, and um, a lot of good intentions and trying to get on uh, good footing for good practices for this year. And that's the same for me, too. And uh, yeah, and I'm getting ready to head back to the Poland-Ukraine border in just like two weeks. So by the time this comes out, I'll be back there. And I'm really looking forward to being with the community of Believers, non-believers, um, refugees, those that are serving, and uh, yeah, so so yeah, so I'm really excited for what God has in store this year. How about you, Kevin? Well, we're off to a good good start off here. I'm busy in our church ministry. Uh, I'm busy with the the project. I think I mentioned at Christmas time at uh, our Common Call San Diego project of renewing and uh, planting churches. So a lot of good stuff happening there. Uh, just there's there's never uh, a day or a week where there's not undone things and more to do. So that's, I think that's a good thing. Um, well, hey, we're excited to introduce our guest today. Our guest is Daniel Overdorf, and Daniel has an interesting background. He grew up in the mountains uh, where he experienced the wonder of Appalachian storytelling, or maybe I should say Appalachian. I guess it depends on what part of the country you're in um, as to how you pronounce that, but I think both are correct. And that uh, storytelling shaped his preaching, his teaching, his life, and ministry. He is uh, in the the current position as professor of ministry leadership and director of preaching programs at Johnson University in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, one of our longstanding restoration movement uh, colleges. In July of 2024, his position is going to change. Daniel will become the eighth president of Johnson University. Now, I think Johnson's about 120-something years old, and to have had eight presidents, that says a lot about the tenure of uh, those presidents. So I think that bodes very well for Daniel. He's going to assume the presidency in July. Uh, Daniel received his BA from Johnson, his MDiv from Lincoln Christian University, and his Doctorate of Ministry from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. Uh, He's the author of a number of books, and I'll just mention a few of these, uh, Preaching, A Simple Approach to the Sacred Task, A Death Well Lived, which is a novel, One Year to Better Preaching, 52 Exercises to Hone Your Skills, Rediscovering Community, What the Bible Says About the Church, and then many more. So I just thought I'd highlight a few of those uh, and mention that you can go to Daniel overdorf.com. That's danieloverdorf.com. And you can find his books, resources, articles. You can go to christianstandard.com and read uh, some of the many articles that he's written uh, for Christian Standard. Um, his, His wife is Carrie. They have two sons and one daughter. So Daniel, welcome to the Common Ground Unity Podcast. We're thrilled to have you today. How are you doing and how's everything in Knoxville? Thank you. I'm very honored to be here and to have this conversation with you and yeah things things are good uh things are good in knoxville and uh yeah i'll um I'll, i will i will correct your appalachia appalachia thing and, and i'll tell you how to remember it people from here will say appalachia and uh and if you get it wrong i'll throw an appalachia to, uh, <laughs> that's that's how you remember <laughs> hey good appalachia, memory appalachia. there's uh there, there's how you go no but so we're, how, we're good yeah, how do you say it good. say it for me again Appalachia. Appalachia. Okay. Yeah. Very yeah. good. <laughs> I'm saying it as a West Coast guy. All uh, wrong. Uh, 
Yeah, no, no, no. So, worries. Daniel, what do you do to get ready to assume the presidency of a university? What an enormous responsibility. Well, that's uh, yeah, that's a great question. I um, I, I attend a lot more meetings that, than I used to attend, and uh, in a lot more email chains than I used to be in, and um, yeah, I do uh, doing a great deal of reading. I'm doing some uh, some training. Uh, there's um, we're part of an organization called TACUA, the Tennessee Independent Colleges and Universities Association. And they actually do a, they call it Executive Leadership Institute. And I go spend a couple of days a month uh, trying to learn more about academic administration. So, uh, so yeah, I, I, I've coming into, into the position very excited, but also realizing I have a lot to learn. Well, you've got some really uh, great people to learn from. Uh, the presidents of Johnson have... Um, reputation for their humility and their vision. So I'm super excited for this opportunity for you and what your experience brings um, to this role. And so as, you know, as we talk about you becoming the president, can you just tell us a little bit about the university? You know, Kevin mentioned it's 120 something years old and um, your, your career there, but maybe how, how those things kind of move you toward what you hope for the future of the university, like with sure. who you are and your experience and also the, the kind of DNA of the, of the university, like what do you see for the future? Sure. Uh, no, that, uh, I appreciate, appreciate you asking that. Johnson was uh, established in 1893. So we uh, have been here on, on the same property. We've been right here since 1893 and our, our founder, uh, Ashley Johnson, and, and his wife, Emma, uh, who incidentally, Emma was our second president. Um, Ashley was the first. Emma, his wife, was, was the second. We had a, had, a, had a female president back in the 1920s, which was a big deal uh, in, in that time. But, uh, but they established the school really with a heart for the, for the mission of God. Uh, Johnson had been a, a, a kind of a traveling preacher throughout the Southeast and this was, you know, you're back in the 1880s at this point, uh, not long after the Civil War, a uh, lot of poverty, a lot of need throughout the South. And he really began to feel a burden for for the, the, the poor preacher in the South who, who couldn't afford an education. And so he, uh, he initially established a correspondence Bible college, which was pretty groundbreaking, you know, in the late 1880s. But that did so well, actually, that it expanded his vision. So that in the early 1890s, he uh, bought, bought the family farm here outside of Knoxville and uh, built a house for he and Emma and then built, built the college. And it was continued to be a functioning farm where students could come without a dime in their pocket and, and work off their education. So uh, and his heart from the beginning was was for preaching, for for for, for the mission of God. And uh, his one of his slogans that we still use and still have a couple places on campus is that uh, the school's open day and night to, to the poor young man who desires above every other desire to preach the gospel of Christ. And so we, we still have that mission of, of preaching, of, of the Great Commission at our heart, and, and, and try the best we can to still have that value of affordability for, for those who, uh, who, who would struggle financially. So it's so a long, long, rich, long, just a long, rich legacy. Of, um, of of ministry here, and I, I realize when 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 you speak of you know the future and what I envision and dreams for what's ahead, uh, that I any vision, any dream is built on where we've been. Uh, we we have a, a rich legacy that that we celebrate, um, but then we do build off of. I mean, part of our legacy is even learning to adapt, uh, learning to to use new methods, um, uh, learning. With, with the same mission and the same values at heart, but saying, how can we extend that mission and those values into new generations? And so that's, so that's, that's what we're constantly looking for in the future is how can we extend the mission of God in, um, you know, in, in 2020s and 2030s, um, extending the legacy that was established in the 1890s. So, uh, so those, you know, those are the questions we ask ourselves every day and, mm -hmm. and the question that I'll bring into my, uh, my own leadership into the future. So good, good days are ahead. We, we, we're building off of good days, and and uh, I'm confident God will continue to be faithful in the future, just as He's been to us in the past. Well, Daniel, we're uh, we're, we're excited to anticipate what God will do through you at Johnson. I think a part of our uh, 
joy in, in our Common Ground Unity ministry is not only introducing people uh, within the streams of the Stone Campbell movement to one another and, and to be more aware of one another and our, uh, our, our fellowship together in Christ, but also some of our, the institutions. So, you know, people that are listening that have had their background primarily in, in say, Churches of Christ, they seem to know a stream of schools uh, out there and those in Christian churches, Churches of Christ, similarly. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that hopefully we're broadening for those that are considering Christian education or ministry training, we're broadening their uh, understanding of the resources that uh, share our, our common uh, faith and, and restoration heritage. Mm. Um, back in 2015, you delivered a message at the North American Christian Convention, which I believe is now Spire. Um, and in it, you expressed appreciation for the heroes who've served a lifetime in vocational ministry. You also shared uh, that far too many are leaving the ministry before God is done with them. Uh, Barna data confirms that 41% have considered quitting ministry in the last 12 months. Many will not endure the next few years. I think COVID probably just you know, exacerbated that problem. Can you speak uh, to that dilemma? Uh, what's happening and what should we as the community of Christ be doing about it? Mm. Well, um, I, I tell you, I, I, occasionally I get to um, uh, like preach ordination services for new ministers or some of our grads or people that I've been able to know. And when I have the chance to do that or, or similar things, I, I always tell these young folks going into ministry that in, in ministry, you're going to have the highest of highs and lowest of lows. You know, the, the mountaintops are high, but the valleys are also deep. And um, this this advice was passed on to me, and I, I pass it on to others. And, and, and the reason for that, every, every, vo- every vocation has highs and lows. Every, every walk of life ha- has highs and lows. But there's something unique about ministry in that day in and day out, you're dealing with things of eternal consequence. And, and just that simple fact makes the highs higher and the lows lower uh, because what, what, what a minister is doing um, in the conversations and, and the meetings and the lessons and the sermons, uh, it, it, eternity is always in the balance. And, and so that, that makes it difficult. It, it makes it a, a difficult path to choose. Uh, so rewarding, uh, such a rewarding path, but, but there are some difficulties. And so, so I, I, think, I think that's a, that's a piece. I think that's part of the answer of, of why it's a struggle. Um, and, and why we see so many more than I would wish uh, walk, walk away from, from ministry uh, because it is tough. And uh, COVID made it even more difficult uh, as we, we I saw so many ministers struggle. And, and unfortunately, many walk away uh, just because of all of the, um, the, the, the divisiveness, the hostility uh, that, that came through that era. Um, and, and maybe I shouldn't even refer to that as past tense, that there's still, uh, in a lot of ways, we're still a, a, a divided people, uh, a lot of hostility out there. That makes it tough, uh, make, makes it so tough for those who are in ministry. And, uh, and you say, well, you know, what do, we, what do we do about that? Well, um, you know, we, we, we pray and, and we pray some more for our leaders and we encourage them. And we, uh, and one thing I try to tell churches about your leaders is to give, you know, give, give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, we're so quick to want to believe the worst about people and, and so quick to want to jump on a bandwagon of, of criticism and, and hostility. And so we'll get, give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, you, you know, you, you see them do something or hear them say something rather than immediately, uh, you know, choosing up sides and, and, and uh, coming out with hostility against them. You know, step, step back, take a deep breath. And say no. That, I, that there's there's probably more behind this. There's more of a story than what I know. Um, don't don't be so quick to to want to believe the worst. Uh, and I, I think I think those kinds of things will will help. Um, and numerous other things. You know, just being in, being an encouragement, giving um, you know, giving giving an extra day off. <laughs> you know, here or there. Uh, I'm seeing more churches give. A sabbatical time, even you know, a month, six weeks, two or three months, even, which I think is just such a healthy, uh, such a healthy thing for a church to do. Uh, we 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 need to keep our leaders healthy, 
We, we need healthy leaders if we're going to have healthy churches. Mm. So we, we need to do whatever we can to help them stay healthy. You, your book, Ministering to Ministers, might be mm. good advice to, to counsel people to read that, to uh, encourage the ones yeah. ministering among them in this way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah and that and that book, I tell you, I, I wrote that out of, um, uh, the, honestly, the good experiences that, that I have had in ministry. I, I was I was raised in a minister's home. I, I grew up in the parsonage, and uh, then I spent 10 years in church ministry before I entered a, a teaching ministry. And, and church, uh, church people were so good to us and so good to my family growing up and good to my family, my own family after I got married. And, uh, and I was able to look back and just say, uh, why, why was it good? What, what did people do to uh, encourage us and, and support us? Um, I, I, I opened that book with a, with a story that, that this happened. Uh, I was ministering with a church in Georgia, um, just, just south of Atlanta. And, uh, you know, I, this time I was in my mid to late twenties, uh, in grad school, married, first, first kid on the way. Um, money was tight. I, you know, just, just where a lot of us are in, in that season of life. And I was in my office. I was in my office one morning and, uh, this, one of our elders, his name was Ed. Ed just, he, he, he pokes his head in my office. I'm sitting there working on my sermon and, uh, he says, Hey, Hey Daniel, can I borrow your, your truck? I, I drove a little Ford Ranger at, at that time. And uh, I had, had no idea what I wanted my truck for, but hey, he's, you know, he's one, one of my elders and, and a man I really looked up to. <laughs> so I tossed him my keys and, and he, he disappeared and uh, came back a couple hours later and tossed the keys back to me, said, hey, have a good day. Oh, well, good. <laughs> hope, hope you have a good day, too. And uh, <laughs> then I finish up my, my sermon work. I, I go outside to my truck to, you know, to go, go to lunch. And uh, when, when I opened the car, the, the door of it, I noticed there's some paperwork on the seat uh, from a tire place. And uh, I, I, I look out the window of the truck, and lo and behold, he had gone and bought four new tires for, mm. for my pickup. And uh, they, they had been, they had gotten bald, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, and and I, you know, money was tight at the time, and he, he, he just took my truck and got new tires put on it. Oh. And that that kind of thing that 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 typifies a lot of my experience. I had such positive experience with people who loved me and loved my family. Um, unfortunately, not every minister has that kind of experience. But but I, I try to write that book to say, hey, the, the, you know, here here's some, here's some things we can do. It's very a lot of practical stuff throughout the book. Of, uh, how how can we encourage, lift up, love, support those those who are leading us? What a great story. Mm. I'm wondering too, um, if, if when, you know, as the role of the pastor grows and there's so many different aspects, like Kevin, in your day to day, I'm sure not every day you're just sitting basking in the, you know, study of for like ancient languages or whatever, there's business meetings (laughs) and there's all those kinds of things that, that can make it difficult for someone in leadership in a church to persevere. Um, do you think that at Johnson University, but in our learning institutions overall, that that equipping of like a fuller dimension of what it means mm-hmm. to lead in a church, bring mm-hmm. leaders, how to bring leaders around that have skills that you don't and things mm-hmm. like that is something that can can help the mm-hmm. attrition rate and oh absolutely yeah I think absolutely it, it the, the the better we can equip our our future leaders you know the better that they're going to going to persevere and I, I I remember when I was a student when I was an undergraduate student and um I had a great you know great experience but in in our entire ministry curriculum there was just one class that had anything at all to do with leadership uh, it was called church administration <laughs> and, and anything you can imagine about leadership was tried to be poured into this, this one, one semester. And, and it was just, it just wasn't enough. And, and it, shortly after that, they completely revised the curriculum. And, and so now, and even today we have, you know, several, we've got everything from conflict management to your own spiritual formation to uh, pastoral care in ministry and effective leadership principles. Uh, so we're trying to, trying to do to do better and uh, you know equipping students in that way and and and, and I would I would add too um, something else I think we're doing better at and I hope we do even more of in the future is is really partnering with churches 
where, um, you know, for a long time we've done internships, you know, summer internship, which is really helpful. Uh, but, but more churches and colleges are even looking at like one year residencies, postgraduate, you know, come spend your four years with us. And, um, but then also take an additional fifth year. And we, we've even built a master's degree around that fifth year where they go and they're on site uh, with, with a church and That's great. kind of having that first year of ministry in a place where they have a safety net and they're being mm-hmm. mentored and, and you, you can make those first year mistakes without getting fired <laughs> for this, you know, and, uh, but, but we found that to be such, we found that to be a really valuable bridge that, that helps with longevity. Uh, that, that if they, uh, we found that that one, one extra year in, in an intense residency, it, it better prepares them to persevere for the long haul. It's a great model. Yeah. And the same message that Kevin just mentioned, you talked about the value of story. Um, mm-hmm. And you said we tend to describe God in bullet points, especially in Western culture. I've know yeah. that is totally true, but mm-hmm. in the early uh, Christians, they would use stories and in, in yeah. other cultures, they still use stories more than we do. Um, why do you think it's important, an important distinction for students preparing for ministries and for seasoned leaders who are finding it necessarily difficult to connect with the current generation? And I'm just curious, do you think that this younger generation, they lean towards stories uh, more naturally? And is that a way of churches thriving is, is by leaning more into story? I, I, I do. Uh, I, I really do. And I think, you know, story story's always been effective, of course. I mean, you, you look at really any culture, any time, and, and you can you can find there the power of story. Uh, but but I think a lot of us and, and I think even of, um, you know, even our restoration movement background, we came out of a uh, enlightenment background, very logical approach to life, to ministry, to biblical interpretation. And, uh, you know, a, a a weakness of that is in the midst of listing principles uh, and listing bullet points, we, we can lose, lose the power of, of the story of God. And, and, and I, and I, be, I believe scripture, I believe Genesis and revelation is one big grand story and, and absolutely there are principles taught along the way. Um, but even those principles are in that context of this, this beautiful story of God redeeming his children who, who rebelled against him. So this is the story, the grand story of Jesus. And, and sometimes in distilling it into bullet points, we lose, we, we, we lose that power. And, 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 I, and I think, and it may be, again, I think it's always been true, but I think with the current and coming generation, it's probably even more true. We, we, we live story. We don't live bullet points. We, we, we live story. And, and so when we can uh, draw people into the story of God and they can see then how the story of God shapes and can shape their own story it, it just becomes so much more real to people uh, that th- these aren't just abstract broad principles out there somewhere uh, but this is this is life this is what god has shaped and what god is shaping and uh you know how how god can shape me so there, there's an old kind of an old analogy uh sometimes we use this in preaching that um you know if you you know you ask me to um to, to explain a frog, you know, or describe a frog and uh, where we are on our campus, there's a river right down the hill from where I'm sitting, right? I, I could go down there and I could get a frog and I could bring it up into our biology lab and we could dissect that frog and we could, we could, we could look at all of the organs and all of the muscles and all of the bones and we could sketch it out and we could chart it all out. And, and I say, here, here you go here. I've, I've, I've explained this frog. Um, but the problem is that frog doesn't jump anymore. I've, I've taken all the life out of it and, 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 in dissecting it, I've sapped the life out of, out of what it can be. And, and I'm afraid sometimes we do that with, with our faith and, and with scripture and, and the story of God and in our dissecting of it, sometimes we, we suck all the life out of it. Um, now we, we need to study, we need to research, we need to dissect, but, but in the midst of that, let us not lose the glory of the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who drew his people out of slavery in Egypt and cared for them in the wilderness, and who redeemed them, and who sent Jesus, who who redeems us, and um, it's 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 the story of God that, that I think uh, we we don't want to lose. Daniel, I want to kind of take us back 
a little bit to the conversation we, we got started on a few moments ago. Uh, our, our theme right now is ministry and community. Where do we go from here? How do we chart some good paths forward? And I referenced in our conversation earlier your book, Ministering to Ministers. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of fit the earlier conversation. But in it, just to highlight a few things in that book a little more, mm-hmm. you address eight affirmations that churches should speak frequently and consistently mm-hmm. uh, and, and act on to support uh, those serving in ministry. They are, for our listeners... Uh, we love you, stand behind you, respect you, value your ministry, seek your best, and seek the best for your family. Mm-hmm. And then for incoming ministers, we welcome you. And for outgoing ministers, we thank you. Can you share with us why you you chose these eight and how they can be a game changer really for a congregation and for a ministry staff? Sure, sure. Well, it's uh, as far as you know why why those specific eight. Uh, some of it came out of the reflecting that I that I mentioned before of when I think about my own experiences growing up in a parsonage and and uh, ministries that um, my wife and I have have been involved in. Um, because I I just reflect back and um, when people you know expressing that they love me, and, and sometimes that is through through words uh, and and through. Uh, you know, people literally saying, "Hey, hey, Daniel, I want you to know that that we love you," and uh, and I, 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 I can, when I, as I say that uh, in my mind, there are specific faces, uh, people, specific conversations where they they express that, uh, and sometimes it was through <laughs> putting putting new tires on my truck uh, that they that they expressed that love, uh, but but there's also other elements of that, uh, you know, when they support and and respect. Um, you know, in respecting, for example, I can remember as a young minister, my, my first ministry was actually in, in Danville, Illinois. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 22, I'm very wet behind the ears. And, and I can remember going to my first elders meeting, uh, you know, as a 22-year-old associate minister at, at this church. And, and I can remember that these, these men who have been at this so much longer than I've been at it, so much more wise than me. But there was an issue on the table and they said, uh, they said Daniel, what do you think? They, they, they wanted to know what I thought. Mm-hmm. They wanted my insight, my opinion on this. Um, I'm afraid too many leaders in that kind of situation look at a young minister and say, oh, you know, you, 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 you go sit in the corner over there and uh, you, you just watch for a while while, uh, while we do ministry. But they, even to a 22-year-old, they say, well, what, what do you think? And they, they genuinely cared and genuinely listened. So, so giving that kind of respect um, you know, to, to the ministers who were there support wise, you know, support wise there, even when it comes to what we pay our ministers to the vacation time that we give them, um, uh, all of that has to do with, with our support. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so, so with, with all those specific things, I was just kind of thinking through what did I see and experience in, uh, in my own life in ministry and how, how did people do this? And, and as I said before, I've just, it was always, uh, very, very blessed. I, I, I wrote that book out of a positive experience and standpoint, not a not a negative one. In the introduction of your book, Rediscovering Community, mm-hmm. you write, one cannot read Jesus's relationship with his disciples without recognizing the power of community. This ragamuffin 12 talked with Jesus during their long walks from village to village, asking questions and probing the wisdom of the great I am. They sat at his feet around the evening campfires, drinking in the story in story after story drawn from the annals of God's history. They stood beside Jesus, intrigued, while he taught the crowds. They watched while he stretched his hand to heal the leopard, to comfort the grieving, and to brush back the wisp of hair from the eye of the curious child who sat on his knee. The disciples listened, learned, and observed in community with one another and with Jesus. Hmm. And I love that because, you know, community is like so important. And in what ways do yeah. you see our current culture sh- suffering from a loss of community? And in what ways can we better demonstrate or be a better demonstration of what Jesus and the early disciples modeled? And mm. how might that have an impact on our current culture and our church, mm. our current church culture even? Yeah. 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 Uh, boy, this is such a, this is such a great topic to consider and, and to consider from Christian perspective. Cause I think even, um, you know, you can look back even um, outside of the church culture over the last 20 years or so, I think a growing awareness of 
isolation and separation and boy, even go back to what was that book? Uh, Bowling Alone. If, if you guys remember, that was probably 20 years ago, maybe more. And, and there just began to be discussion of uh, that, that, that isolation. And, and I say we don't, um, you know, the, we, we don't build front porches anymore. We build back decks and a privacy fence um, mm-hmm. to keep us to keep us separate from one another. So I think there's a growing recognition of, of the need, you know, the need uh, and the hunger for for community. And um and, and, and of course, from a church standpoint, we say, well, yeah, this God created us to need community. God didn't create us to be lone rangers. Uh, God created us to be together. That, that's, that's why there's a church uh, is because that he created us to be together, support one another and encourage one another as, as we pursue his mission. And so, um, so yeah, so I think, I think the church is the best answer for society's hunger for, for community. And, and when I think about what that looks like, uh, you, you know, I, I think with most any listener, I, I would I would just ask them, you know, when when have you seen and experienced this? Because they're we, we can probably talk about times we haven't. But but in most of our lives, we can say, I, I do remember that one time I, I, I remember that one time I was, you know, I was, I was I was walking through the church foyer and it had been the worst week of my life and the pain and heartache I was dealing with. And, uh, and this, you know, this, 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 this gal, Melissa, um, just grabbed me by the elbow and said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to pray with you. And, and that prayer meant more to me than, you know, any, anything else that could have happened in my life in that moment. And that's community. That, that's what that is. That that's one person seeing another person and saying, Hey, let's, let's, let's pray through this. Um, or, you know, n- numerous other examples you can give of things we do to, share life together and even that phrase <laughs> it got to become, become a cliche you know sharing life but but it i think is the heart of of um, you know biblical community that we're we, we are doing this arm in arm and we're, we're we're walking through the journey that god's laid before us not alone but 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 with each other supporting each other encouraging each other think of all the one another passages in scripture that we're going to encourage one another teach one another honor one another, respect one another, forgive one another. And, and over and over scripture tells us that it's, uh, it's, it's together. It's, it's with one another. We saw a, uh, a YouTube video that you did for Johnson university titled what's next for the church. Mm-hmm. And in that video, you, you shared thoughts about the church being more global, uh, diverse and missional. Share for us a little bit your vision for how Johnson University can be a part of equipping believers to model this kind of church. Mm. Well, it, it's uh, um, I guess something we talk we talk about every day. How how can how can we do better in equipping this next generation? And uh, and those elements that are there that I even mentioned in that in that video, the the, the global aspect of this that uh, we we can often be guilty in the American church of thinking that that the church, Big C, is American and, and absolutely we're part of it. But but to have the, the global perspective of what God is doing all over the world, uh, down every dusty path and in every village uh, in on every continent, uh, God, God God is at work. God is present. Um, and God is sovereign over. And and so I, th- I think I think part of our our future, if, if we're to be effective, is uh, is recognizing and celebrating that global nature of the church, and so and so at, at Johnson and and um, other other schools like us, uh, doing all we can to expose students to uh, to what God is doing around the world and uh, bringing people in. And technology is great with this. We we, we can, uh, you know, you, you can zoom somebody in from wherever uh, from from around the globe. And to spend 15 minutes with students, um, or, or sometimes we'll even bring people into chapel that way, where, where uh, um, you know we're, we're trying to expose students all we can to to what God is doing everywhere, uh, and then even, and then giving students opportunities, you know, students whether that's through internships or short-term trips that are organized uh, on on campus um, or or residencies. I mentioned like postgraduate residencies a minute ago. Um, some of the Organizations that do work around the world offer, you know, even like postgraduate, six-month, one-year, even two-year residencies, 
and, and so um, opening that path for students to, um, to, to, to see that, to, to be a part of that. So, and that's just the global uh, aspect of, of what we mentioned. And we, you know, we could talk more about the, uh, the, the diverse the diversity of the church and the, the mission of the church. But, uh, but, but I do think that if, if the church is to, 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 to further God's mission in, in the next generation, that, that all of those aspects, all those elements are going to have to be there. Daniel, what do you think about, like in the missional piece of that message, um, you know, this is something that I experienced in other parts of the world. I was on staff at Southeast Christian Church for 16 mm-hmm. years in missions. Mm-hmm. And everywhere that the Western church has planted churches or had influence, you see the good of our influence and also the not so good. Mm-hmm. And yeah. one thing of that is how the Western churches more come to us versus going out. And so in in that part of the missional um, piece of that message, which we're going to put in the show notes, it's only 10 minutes. I encourage our listeners to check it out. It's so encouraging. But the idea of stop waiting for people to come to the church, but for us Mm -hmm. as the church to go out. And so Mm -hmm. what are some ways that you think we can do that better as the church? Mm, Yeah, yeah. Great. How do we shift our mindset in that way? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, t- I tell you where my mind goes first with that question is to, to Acts one eight, where, where the Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. I, I encourage individual believers and, and church communities to think all three of those levels. You know, there, there's the Jerusalem, there's your own neighborhood, and I, I think I think every one of us needs to wrestle with, um, you know, there within a two mile radius of most churches, there are dozens of people who don't know Jesus. And, and I think we have to constantly wrestle with and ask ourselves, how, how there are people in my neighborhood who, who don't know Jesus. What, what can I do to express his love, to demonstrate his love, to tell his story and draw people into his story? Um, and so I, I, we got we to gotta think in our own neighborhood. But then I also think a little more broadly. You know, I'm, I'm, as I'm talking, I'm sitting in Knoxville, Tennessee. And uh, so I think about the city that I'm in. I think about the region that I'm in, you know, I, I can draw a circle of about a, you know, four-hour drive, and, and there's there's Atlanta, and there's Lexington, and there's Nashville, and there's Asheville, North Carolina, and, and I think in this in this region where I am, where, where do we need churches planted? Uh, where do we need to be training ministers? Uh, where do we need to be putting uh, church camps? <laughs> you know, um, where do we need to be having um, uh, out, outreach opportunities in, in our region? Uh, but then to also think global, uh, b- because and, and this is the age that we live in with technology, with travel. Uh, I, I can sit in Knoxville, Tennessee, and you know I, I could I could within thirty seconds here I could punch up on my computer uh, and be in conversation with somebody who's in China or in Jordan, uh, you know, or in South Africa. Uh, the technology that we have at our fingertips is is phenomenal. Um, I, I, I sometimes say, you know, could, could you imagine if the Apostle Paul had what we have? You know, could, could you envision, you know, Paul with air travel and, and Paul with the Internet? And, and he's, he's on a Zoom call with the elders of Ephesus while he's sitting in the airport on his way to Corinth. And, and he's, I, if, if you could just imagine, um, and if we can imagine Paul doing that, then why, why, why are we not? <laughs> uh, and how can we make use of, of all this that's at our fingertips? So, uh, so I, you know, how how do we do that? I, I, I my mind goes back to that X one eight and thinking in those the, the, those circles. What can I do in my neighborhood? What can I do in my region? What can I do around the world? And and, and I believe it, you know individual Christians, a church a church of twenty people, a church of forty people, as well as a church of four thousand people, can can have an impact on all three of those those levels. I loved when um, Tyler McKenzie was on and one thing he talked about is that you have to know your neighborhood and yeah, the things yeah. that, you know, that you have to be mindful of looking out. And even in his sermon this weekend, he was saying, would you believe that within a five mile radius, we have this demographic of people? And when you're looking at the right. congregation, you're like, yeah. no, this, our congregation, yeah. our communities like this. And mm-hmm. so I think that that's an, another good thing of like, even you identifying like, what is a 
in a four hour radius, what is around us and what are the needs of those things within us. And Mm -hmm. um, when the war started in Ukraine, we had so many people or I had so many people calling saying, I want to come. What can I do? What can I do? And Mm -hmm. I was like, I can tell you what you can do. You can find someone in your city that is suffering in some way from loneliness, from whatever that's from somewhere else and go love on them. Yeah. You know, like that'd be the best thing right now. Mm -hmm. So Kevin, what were you going to say? Well, just, just kind of take off that. I'm I'm not going to now say what I was going to say. I'm going (laughs) to just dig into that conversation a little more. I love the, uh, the idea that you just put in front of us of thinking in terms of our mission and ministry, like, the X one eight model mm-hmm. of you know what is our Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and and then what is our Samaria? Who are those mm-hmm. that are a little more distant, like us, but different in so many ways? And then what are our remotest ends of the earth? Yeah, and yeah. that's just I just wanted to kind of go back to that. You you said that rather quickly, but what a great model yeah. for thinking about our ministry. We've got to be in all those areas mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. and know our own community well to yeah. know what the needs are. So mm, well, thanks for that. And, sure. and bringing that scripture to bear. I want to uh, move back to preaching for just a minute. I, I'm a sure, preacher sure. Yeah, myself. Yeah. I've been preaching for, you know, over 38 years. Mm-hmm. And and so while I love doing this podcast, my week-to-week work is in that life mm-hmm. of the local church and bringing the message each week. Yeah. So I'm always interested in, you know, if you look at Acts 1-8, you know, preaching is going to be different in different cultures and places. And I know you train sure. and teach to all that. Um but as as we think about that in the various streams of the Stone Campbell mm-hmm. movement, as a as a teacher professor who equips and trains individuals in the task of preaching, um, from your experiences, do you see differences in the way the different streams approach training for preaching, and even differences in how the preaching role is approached, or just mm-hmm. the preaching task itself? And as you, you look at the different streams, I mean, I'm mm-hmm. thinking, uh, what are some of the strengths that you see in one particular stream that the others could be blessed by and benefit from? Mm-hmm. Well, that, yeah, that's, that's a great question. Uh, and, and what, that's a good question to, to, to wrestle with. Uh, and I've, I've been fortunate to have some exposure and, and friends, uh, in all three streams of the movement and preaching. Um, and we, we've, um, here, here, even here at Johnson, we do an annual preaching lectureship, and we've had, uh, you know, R- Ronald Allen from the the Disciples of Christ background came and did such a great job, such a gracious, gracious man, and um, we've had uh, Jerry Taylor from the acapella background. Uh, David Fleer is actually going to be here uh, in about two months, and um, well, in about a year ago, uh, I, I went I went and spoke for a preaching conference at Harding. Uh, University in Searcy, Arkansas. Ah, uh, yes, so, my uh, alma mater. Thanks oh, for is throwing, it really? uh, thanks for throwing yeah, some love their yeah. way. I had <laughs> such a good, I had such a good experience there, and uh, enjoyed enjoyed that time. So, uh, so I've been fortunate, and, and really, I think in my mind, I, I see a lot more similarities than I see differences. Um, I, you know, I I, uh, I I see a reverence for the task. Um, you know, I see a desire. Uh, a desire to to get the story of God and and the uh, the, the the grace of Jesus proclaimed. Um, no, and I think what we can learn from each other. I you know I, I think um, sitting from where I am in the the independent Christian church stream, um, you know I, I look at my uh, acapella brothers, and and I see such a reverence for for the scripture text and, and a reverence for. Um, honoring celebrating what um you know what god designed the church to be and and the role of preaching in that and and so i think i can learn i can learn from that uh that that honoring of the text um you know i think from my disciples brothers and sisters i i see the um you know the, the heart for the culture around us and the heart for the, the the people that that we connect with and uh and think how i can learn from from that compassion that uh, that I see so often among uh, among my disciples' friends, and and I can I can bring that I bring that into my own my own preaching and, and ministry. We um we're we're, we're uh, uh we, we we at Johnson we actually received a grant from the Lilly Foundation 
this past fall it was announced. It's a one and a quarter million dollar grant that we're going to establish a, a Fred Craddock Center for Preaching Excellence. And uh, Craddock was is pretty well known in preaching circles. He's one of our alum. Craddock was a Johnson alum. Yes. And yes. Uh, uh, honored in, in all streams. Uh, he was in the disciple stream of our movement, but also honored by people from various traditions. And we, uh, w- one of the things we hope to accomplish is we, we look at Craddock and look at his preaching. He, he came along at a time in the 1960s and early 70s, a time of real social upheaval. And, and he, he just asked the question, are there... Are, are there more effective ways to connect the text to our culture? And just ask the hard question of, are, are there even ways we can design our sermons differently? And we talk about story and narrative, and he was, that was a big part of his, uh, his, uh, his influence. And, and we feel like that same, we can ask that same question again today, that it's a time of, it's a time of upheaval. Um, you know, especially you think from 2020 on, uh, some would even go a little, a few years before that and on, uh, and, and so I think we can ask that question again and, and continuing to honor the, the, uh, the authority of the text and, and God's word. But, but are, there, are there ways we can better connect when we think about in preaching methods and styles and approaches? And, and so we're going to try to explore that some through this, uh, through this, this center, Fred Craddock Center for Preaching Excellence that, um, that, that, I, that I think will be valuable and even helping with that very question that you asked. Well, that I would love to uh, attend one of those. I, mm-hmm. as a younger preacher, and, and even to today, I'll, I'll go on to YouTube and if I can find a Fred Craddock sermon, <laughs> um, it's such a, a a different approach to connecting mm-hmm. the text to the yeah. and his work at Cherry Creek Christian mm-hmm. just um, expanded so well beyond that yeah. rather small congregation. Really, uh-huh. what what an influence he had, and and I've been blessed. I think I've got. You know, he'd be one of my heroes of preaching. I've got yeah. great heroes of preaching in the independent Christian churches as, as I was mm-hmm. younger. I, I used to listen to a lot of Bob Russell. and Oh, absolutely. I think some Bob yeah. Russell would work its way into my own preaching. And then mm-hmm. within the churches of Christ and all, I've got just preaching here. So I think we have mm-hmm. so much to draw from mm-hmm. one another. And I appreciate your oh, absolutely. response. And look forward to what's going to happen at Johnson yeah, yeah. with with that grant and, oh, and uh, you. what you're creating. Yeah, we're, we're excited. Uh, we're excited about the possibilities. That's awesome. Okay, last question. This mm-hmm. is uh, can we save the best for last to talk about uh, <laughs> deepening our understanding, and commitment to unity. So, could mm. you could you just give your thoughts on how our universities and schools of higher education can deepen the understanding and commitment to the call of unity, whether it's mm. through vocational leadership or, I mean, you mm-hmm. all have programs of you know, health and, you know, so that mm-hmm. people are studying at Johnson for lots of different kinds of vocations, yeah. not just church leadership. So how mm-hmm. through, um, their, um, what they're learning, can we call them into, you know, the commitment to unity as part of our local churches? Mm-hmm. Well, well, sure. Yeah. And it's, uh, um, uh, there, there are a few things I think we can do and, and that we try to do. Uh, one is, um, and I answer this similarly when we talk about the, the global nature of the church, uh, is, is simply exposing students to, to people who come from a variety of, of backgrounds. And, uh, and, and we, um, you know, the, the largest portion of our students are, are from independent Christian church background. Uh, but there are students from a lot of other backgrounds, too. Uh, it, it's hard to nail down exactly um, what background students are from. It's, it's actually more difficult than you might think. Best we can tell, there's probably about about 40% maybe of our students come from independent Christian church background. Uh, but that means 60% are, are from other backgrounds. And so we uh, I mean, we, we encourage conversation and um, let's, let's talk about what values we do share. Uh, and let's talk in a respectful way about maybe the different perspectives that we have and and through that we can sharpen each other and and uh and encourage each other and um and, and in, in a lot of those conversations it's amazing how much more we share than there is that that divides us and uh so we we try to honor that celebrate uh celebrate that uh and, and i think you know i think of our just the restoration movement plea and you know the stone campbell background 
I th- I think I think the I think the culture and church world right now is is ripe for, for that message that um, that we we, we want to first and foremost be Christians and we, we don't even have to wear other names that we uh, we, we are followers of Jesus we're, we're, we're Christians and 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 that's that's what we want to be and and, and uh, you, you find when you talk to Christians from various backgrounds just how much that message resonates that uh, that we we want to we want to follow Christ but first and foremost beyond anything else uh, but then I, th- I think also something that that our, our movement has to offer is that um, that, that that there is still a a, a you know a, a a brotherhood, a sisterhood. Uh, we have community still with, with other believers. Uh, sometimes I'll talk to some who are in non-denominational churches that are not restoration movement background, but are, are strictly not non-denominational, uh, and and they kind of feel like they're out there all on their own, and, and they feel isolated and uh, almost you know too independent, and um, and have a desire for you know a fellowship. And and I think that's one thing that that we have in our movement that that is valuable is that you know, we we are non-denominational and that there's not a structure there's not an authority over the local church, um, but at the same time we have we have connection and, and we have people to to uh, you know encourage one another and learn from one another and and pray with each other and be at conferences you know together with people who have that shared uh, shared heritage and uh, so so I yeah I. I I I think not only is there just a place for who we are. I I think uh, I I think we're in an era where the restoration plea has has a great deal of value and resonates. Uh, it really resonates with with the church world. Well, Daniel, uh, thank you for those comments. You know, our mission sure. here is we want to hopefully be part of the answer of Jesus' prayer that we may all be one. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the tragedies that we all feel in this ministry is that uh, this movement to just be Christians only and go back to Scripture as our guide that informs and inspires our faith, that we have fragmented and broken apart Mm -hmm. too often by much lesser issues that, that should never be barriers to fellowship. And that doesn't mean that sometimes differences aren't worth discussing and aren't important. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it, it takes a lot to break fellowship, I think, when you read the New Testament, a lot more than the things we've broken fellowship over. Yeah. So to have conversations across the streams is mm-hmm. just something that we want to contribute to and offer to, to our listeners and in the broader Common Ground Unity Ministry of Gatherings around the country. Mm. We're so grateful for your contribution to this. Well, I, and, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, we're yeah. excited about what God has in store for you at Johnson Thank you. University. Before we get away, we're going to have a little fun with you in a lightning round. Sure. If you give us a few more minutes. I know yeah, you're let's busy. Let's do it, absolutely. Uh, but I, I want to remind our people, again, uh, a little bit more about where they can access some of your books and writing and, mm-hmm. and learn more about Johnson. Uh, I mentioned at the start, you have a website, uh, mm-hmm. danieloverdorf.com, mm-hmm. danieloverdorf.com, and your books are highlighted there, your articles and other resources that you offer. So I encourage our listeners to visit that website. You've got quite a few articles on the Christian Standard site, christianstandard.com, articles that have appeared in the magazine mm-hmm. and are available online. Uh, a little while earlier, um, Tina mentioned uh, your YouTube, um, what's next for the church. That particular speech, I think was the one, mm. um, that, and I think a few others will be in our show notes. So let me encourage our listeners to, uh, check out in a broader way, some of the, uh, offerings that Daniel brings through his ministry. And, and now we want to just change gears before we, now that we've kind of moved away from the more serious conversation, let our listeners get to know you more and do a lightning round. So, uh, Tina and I are going to, you know, just one after another, uh, pick some of these and ask you to respond. So I'm going to turn it sure. over to Tina to kind of kick us off here. So Tina, go to it. All right. So your favorite music genre. Oh, I've been, um, I, I tell you, I've been back in the 1980s recently. I, I was an oh, 80s kid. Yeah. So I'm, I'm <laughs> by myself listening back to some of that 80s music. Awesome. Kevin? I'm with you there. I, I've been listening to some 80s stuff myself lately on my own Spotify. What is your go-to spot for coffee or 
if you're not a coffee sure, drinker, yeah. whatever beverage with your your friends. Uh, well, there's there's a place not far from our campus here called uh, Commonplace. That that's uh, it's a good place to meet friends and and uh, have a good good cup of coffee. Oh, Commonplace, I like that. That yeah, fits with our yeah. common grind unity. Yeah, thing. exactly. Okay, one subject, and it cannot be preaching related or okay. work related necessarily. Uh, <laughs> one subject you'd like to learn more about. Mm. You know, I've, I've always, um, I, I would like to learn more about art, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, just a, a class in, in, uh, art, art history. Uh, I, I, I yeah, that, that would appeal to me. I know awesome. very little about it, but it, it intrigues me. <laughs> uh, do you play an instrument? I do and if not. so, which I don't play anything. Yeah. I have a hard time even playing my radio in tune. So. <laughs> <laughs> we have something else in common. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you have a favorite sport to watch or play? Uh, well, I have both. I, as far as to watch, I, I, I like college football. I, I'm in uh, SEC oh. territory here in, in Tennessee. So I love watching college football. Uh, as far as to play, I don't play college football. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I play, uh, um, actually play basketball a couple times a week with some guys here on campus, play a little golf. What's your favorite go-to pastime? Uh, probably, well, it might be golf um, or, or writing. Uh, writing's kind of a, you know, it's been a good sideline thing for me that I enjoy. What, okay, this is the last one. What sure. book, not textbook, not, you know, something that's more universal for our listeners. Yeah. What mm-hmm. book are you reading right now or have you had recommended to you that you want to read? Uh, well, I tell you right now, with my um, transition toward the presidency here, <laughs> my reading's very much uh, academic administration right now. So I'm I'm trying to figure all that out. Um, I, but I'll tell you some others, some things that might actually interest listeners. <laughs> that uh, <laughs> you know, I, some books I go back to, um, kind of some classic, the the some A W to- the Pursuit of God. You know, A W Tozer is one that I find myself going back to time and time again. And, um, so yeah, so, so the, the, those, but, but what I'm currently reading, I'm not sure how that, reframing academic leadership is what I'm reading at the moment. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. You may not have too many people, uh, write in and say, Oh, give us your list. <laughs> academic administration, <laughs> scintillating. I, I want to long, yeah. no. <laughs> it is just like you would imagine. Yeah. Oh, well, you, and important, very important. Uh-huh. Well, Daniel, thank you for, for being with us yeah. today. Is there anything else you'd like to say to our listeners before? Well, we I just, you know, just thank you for having me. And uh, I, I, I so appreciate the heart behind your ministry, uh, this heart for unity, um, the, the heart for the church and, and for our mission. So thank, thank you for what you do. And, uh, and I appreciate the opportunity. I'm honored. I, I'm, I'm honored by the opportunity to talk with you today. Well, we're honored to have you. Um, Tina, what do you have ahead? You're heading back to Poland and Ukraine. When, when are you heading back? I am leaving on February 4th. Okay. So by the time people listen to this, you'll be there. And the next time we're together, you'll probably be there. Mm-hmm. All right. And we'll, well just God's... cross our fingers for good internet connection. Amen. Well, God's blessings on what you're doing. It's such important work. For our listeners, uh, we have a vision to create and support gatherings of unity-minded Christians around the globe. Imagine the good news of these gatherings modeling the prayer of Jesus in our divided world. Please help us out by subscribing and posting comments about this podcast on our Facebook page. Uh, Not the Facebook group, but our Facebook page. The link is in the show notes. And if you're benefiting from this ministry, then we ask you to consider making a monthly donation to support the work. You can do so at www.commongroundunity.org front slash donate. So we hope you'll visit the website and partner with us in this ministry. We look forward to being back with you for another conversation in just a couple of weeks. Thank you. Uh, In the meantime, get together with some believers in your area. Pray together and work towards some kingdom uh, good in your community. Thank you for listening to the Common Grounds Unity podcast. Please check out commongroundsunity.org to learn about who we are and to find gatherings in your area. You can also subscribe to our monthly digital newsletter, join the Facebook group, or find our YouTube channel. 
If you benefit from this ministry, please consider a monthly donation by going to www.commongroundunity.org front slash donate. Until next time, God bless and remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee.